Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking our news of the day, a dear friend, David Schuster, TYT contributor, Rebel HQ content creator, keeps us informed. Should be a fascinating breakdown. First story of the day, we need your help in identifying a UPS, a UPS delivery worker who decided to, let's just say, do this. Here it is. Yeah, you see this worker spat into the mailbox of a customer of UPS. And it is noted that he did this after he saw a flag that pays homage to and respect to the movement of our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community. Let's put up the picture for mass, the best picture we have been able to provide. Now, UPS has not identified this individual. There's no current news story about this. A lot of social media commentary, a lot of individuals who have decided to opine and provide clarity to what they think went down. But I'm saying this, somebody knows exactly who that is. UPS, they are trying to ascertain information from the owner of that property or the resident he went to. Now I want to remind everyone of what bigotry and hatred is. Bigotry and hatred is an indoctrination that really is rooted in the insecurity of the other person. You see, for somebody to have this much hate inside of them to where they will deliver a package and decide to do that in the mailbox of somebody they do not know because of what they interpret to be a threat to them. Well, that's more about their lack of character. That's more about their inability to understand, to celebrate the differences of others. See, those are the same people who will actually celebrate individuals like this. Yeah. A guy who's under criminal investigation for trafficking underage girls. Matt Gates, current congressman, receives virtually zero pushback from the conservatives in the Congress. No mainstream Republican has decided to take Matt Gates to task and call him out for his immoral behavior. And let's be very clear about the irony of Matt Gates. Matt Gates sits still on the Judiciary Committee, which provides oversight for the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice is investigating Matt Gates for trafficking an underage girl, at least one, maybe more. He is providing leadership to that government agency and has not been forced to resign. If you have hatred in your heart, if there are people in this world that you simply do not like, I have a recommendation for somebody who fits the bill. And that would be Matt Gates. All right, David, thoughts on this? 
Dr. Richie, I'm so glad that you've drawn the contrast between how conservatives view the LGBTQ community too often and how they view Matt Gates. It is really striking. I do think that the UPS, which has long been considered one of the best companies to work for, one of the best companies in America, they will find who this person is, perhaps with the public's help. Although I was a little bit surprised that the initial response from UPS, at least over social media, was very sort of formulaic. It was almost as if one of those sort of automated responses, you complain to UPS about something and they say, I'll send us more information. The address, the street, the city, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the time of day. And that felt kind of cold. And I had wished that the UPS perhaps had had a real person saying, "This is outrageous. We do not tolerate this in any fashion. We're going to move heaven and out, heaven and, and earth to find out who this person was, and they will no longer work for UPS." That's the sort of reaction that I was hoping that they would deliver. And maybe they still have time, but so far it has felt a little bit cold and distant. Yeah, well said, and I agree with you on the original comment from UPS. It seemed very um, just cookie cut. This is a normative rebuttal or response to something that has created a complaint. We need a very specific response to this very specific type of hatred, obviously displayed by an individual who works for the company. All right, very interesting, heartbreaking. Mother, South Carolina mother, is now suing over the death of her son. Let me go to the video, here it is. When they arrive, Evans is allegedly placed in a chokehold against a glass window. The department prohibits all forms of chokeholds according to the lawsuit. I did. No, you know, y'all hurt me. I didn't hurt no, you. Y'all hurt me. Y'all kill me. Evans complains of being unable to breathe and begins screaming for his mother's help. Mom, got my ID. Deputies place leg restraints on Evans. Oh, down. The deputies put a spit mask on Evans's head, then lift him off the ground and into an emergency restraint chair. Maybe if you didn't come in and act like a complete or we wouldn't have to do this to you. Deputies continue to secure him in the chair, then take out tasers. Move any leg, I will take you. Tried to kick us. But no, I didn't. I yeah, you, you did. Moments later, as Evans grows more agitated, a deputy allegedly tases him at least three times. Evans is then brought to a cell, which is when the released video ends. The lawsuit saying he, quote, continued to yell and thrash, was sweating profusely, and, quote, making statements that did not make sense. The suit also says he was not checked on. He died. He died, and every single deputy knew he was experiencing a mental health issue. Every single one of them was aware. Let's put up the picture, this young man. They say he said things that did not make sense. It was because of the experience he was going through. A newly filed wrongful death lawsuit accuser, South Carolina Sheriff's deputies and their action of being responsible for the death of 40 year old Jarvis Evans. Evans had called for help on July 29th, 2021 when experiencing a mental health episode. But instead of being taken to a hospital or a mental health facility, he was taken to jail where he later died in the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office custody, okay? They were aware of Mr. Evans. We have on record now multiple instances instances before this where the deputies responded 
And it was a mental health call. And they did in fact take Mr. Evans to receive medical help. Well, in this case, they decided to abandon their protocol. They decided to disregard their own policy for chokeholds and continue to act in a way that became adversarial to the very life of Mr. Evans. Let's put up a picture of the mother. Now, I want to remind you that Mr. Evans was a father of five boys. This is the grandmother of those five boys. He had children ranging from one to 17 years old. Reverend Dr. Catherine Evans of Lawrence County, South Carolina is the mother of Jarvis Evans. Reverend Evans says her son has struggled with mental illness since he was a child. Reverend Evans hopes a successful legal win helps bring about closure for the family. Let's go to the sheriff here, Don Reynolds, okay? Don Reynolds is the guy in charge, the buck stops with him. Remember, it is already noted in the lawsuit that these officers violated the policy of his sheriff's office. What is the discipline now? For these individuals under your leadership, Sheriff, who contributed to the death of a human being experiencing a mental health crisis. Reverend Evans, the mother, hopes the lawsuit prompts federal authorities to investigate Lawrence County Sheriff's Office handling of her son's case. According to the mother, she says, and I quote, he was under the impression of a hallucination. There were violent people in and out of my house trying to kill him. People who had guns that I was helping them. And he called 911 and asked for help. So what's happening here? This seems to be closely related to paranoid schizophrenia. This is an episode that this individual is experiencing. And let's make it very plain, just as real as it is that you are hearing me talk to you. It is just that real, it was just that real for Mr. Evans when he was experiencing what he was experiencing. The perceived reality of what was in his mind was just as legitimate and real as you hearing me talk to you right now. There's more. Both Reverend Evans and her son called 911 that day for help. Like many times in the past, Reverend Evans expected first responders to take her son to the hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. That has happened before, it did not happen this time. Evans says Lawrence County Sheriff's deputies responded to her son experiencing a mental health crisis in the past, were very familiar with his medical condition, but things this time did not go as expected. Reverend Evans says her son became combative with deputies because his paranoia took a hold of him. Jarvis Evans was arrested by the responding deputies, taken to jail and charged with resisting arrest and breach of peace. Once Evans arrived to the jail to be booked and processed, his situation deteriorated. Can I say this? This is not only a direct personal failure for those deputies, it is also a systemic failure for that sheriff's office. Not only were they aware that it was a current mental health crisis happening, they were aware of the individual and his history with mental health disability. Did they treat him appropriately? Of course not. They grabbed him, arrested him, charged him, tased him, fought him, made his fears even worse. Imagine what he was going through in those last moments.
He already believed that somebody was trying to kill him inside of his own mother's home. He was living a nightmare. It was torture for him. What did they do? They became the worst nightmare he could imagine. They killed him. Just like he imagined in his mind, it happened. They killed him. Body cam video shows Jarvis Evans being restrained and tased multiple times before being wheeled into a jail cell. This happened at 11.06 PM. The lawsuit filed on August 15, 2022 alleges Evans did not receive any, any, none, none whatsoever, no medical attention while at the jail before he later was found unresponsive in his cell at 2.59 AM the following morning. Let's put up the attorney representing the estate. Her name is Rosalind Henderson Myers. She's the attorney representing the estate of Jarvis Evans, says the sheriff's office has not given her or the family an explanation for why he died in their custody. But claimed the 40 year old was receiving round the clock supervision and was being watched every 15 minutes. We know that to be a damn lie. Henderson Meyer says the autopsy determined Evans death was an accident attributing it to a drug overdose. We've heard that before. But she accuses deputies of not following proper protocol on how they use their taser on Evans. She is exactly correct. Despite claims made by Reverend Evans, deputies used excessive force on her son. Henderson Myers, who is also a sitting state representative, says South Carolina does not have laws on the books for police excessive force, meaning the family cannot bring a civil suit in a state court against deputies with that accusation. However, they can resort to federal law. Is that not ironic? I want to remind everyone, excessive force is not allowable. This is a terminology created by members of law enforcement to massage the reality of what excessive force is. Excessive force is criminal assault. Think about it. Have you ever heard of somebody being accused of excessive force at your job and still having a job? No, it's called assault. When the police do it, all of a sudden there's a nuance. There's context here that we must consider. No, excessive force is against the law, period, at the end of that. We're gonna continue to follow this story. This is how the deputies decided to treat a mentally ill patient. They knew, they were well aware of his mental health condition and they decided to treat him and handle him in this way. And their actions directly caused the death. It was the proximate cause of the death of Mr. Evans. All right. David, do you see it any other way here? No, and this is one of the most difficult things that I've, I've seen in a long time. I mean, put aside whether the guy, you know, the mental health issues for a moment. Uh, when somebody is strapped and they're handcuffed uh, and they're, they're hooded and police then tase that person, that is psychotic. That is torture that they are inflicting. And now the other part about it is I, I've long agreed with everybody who says, you know, a community's character is defined not by the opportunities that, that it affords to the, the privileged and the wealthy, but by how a community handles those were in the most amount of pain. This man was in pain before the police got there. And the idea that they would then take him to a jail, not a mental health facility like they did before, strap him in and then because the police had their feelings hurt because he had maybe tried to kick or whatever, he was flailing around. And therefore they get to mete out their own punishment. They get to tase him, they get to torture him. That is against the law. And I think his family has a exceptionally strong lawsuit coming. Yeah, I agree. 
And here's the thing, Dave, they, they would not expect a person with a broken leg to win a 100 yard dash. They would not expect a person with broken arms to drive a car. An individual experiencing an authentic mental health crisis should be treated appropriately and not the way Mr. Evans was treated. Mr. Evans should be alive today. We're gonna continue to follow the story. All right. Texas Attorney General, yeah, the Texas Attorney General runs away from a process server. And remember, this guy's already under indictment. Let's put up his picture full mass. Texas AG Ken Paxton, with the help of his wife, fled his home to avoid being served a subpoena, according to an affidavit. Ernesto Martin Herrera, the process server, was attempting to serve the subpoena to that man right there for a federal court hearing Tuesday in a lawsuit from nonprofits that want to help Texans pay for out of state abortions. A.G. Paxton's lawyers argued he was never told the name of the server or given identifying information about him. Senator Angela Paxton, his wife, who's a state senator, uh, drove the getaway truck. I mean, they planned it. It was a one-two combination, Bonnie and Clyde situation with the damn attorney general of the state and a, a sitting state senator who happens to be his wife. The only problem I have with this whole thing is that the process server did not record it. Now, damn it, I need these process servers to get their lives together. When Herrera arrived at Paxton's home Monday morning, he told Angela he was trying to deliver legal documents to the attorney general. She told him Paxton was on the phone and unable to come to the door. So Herrera said, hey, I will wait. Nearly an hour later, a black Chevrolet Tahoe pulled into the driveway. At 20 minutes after that, Ken Paxton, the attorney general, exited the house. I walked up the driveway approaching Mr. Paxton, called him by his name. As soon as he saw me and heard me call his name out, he turned around and ran back inside the house through the same door in the garage, Herrera wrote in the sworn affidavit. Angela Paxton then exited the house, got inside a Chevrolet truck, and in the driveway started it and opened the doors. A few minutes later, I saw Mr. Paxton ran from the door inside the garage towards the rear door behind the driver's side, Herrera wrote. I approached the truck and loudly called him by his name and stated that I had court documents for him. Mr. Paxton ignored me and kept heading for the truck. Herrera eventually placed the subpoena on the ground near the truck and told him he was serving him with the subpoena. Both cars drove away, leaving the documents on the ground. Now there is a response, before I go to the response, I did read Texas law. And basically in Texas law, and this has been confirmed by judicial decision. If you make a good faith effort as a process server and the person is engaged in what's called obvious avoidance of being served. Once you have made the attempt 
You see the avoidance, you could then leave whatever document you are serving, write it in the affidavit, and that person will be noted by the court as being properly served. All right, so the process server was right for leaving it and then creating an affidavit, swearing and attesting to the facts of what he saw. On Twitter, the AG Paxton rebuked, rebuked the Texas Tribune and said his sudden departure was motivated by safety concerns. Attorney General Ken Paxton says, and I quote, it's clear that the media wants to drum up another controversy involving my work as Attorney General. So they're attacking me for having the audacity to avoid a stranger lingering outside my home and showing concern about the safety and well-being of my family. Um. Attorney General, did you call the police? Did you call your personal security that you currently have? I'm aware of your personal security detail. Did you write a report for your personal security to be aware that strangers are lurking on the outside of your home? No, he did none of that because he knew good and damn well exactly what was being served to him. Um, later on Monday, Paxton filed two requests. What did he file? He didn't file a police report. He didn't file a complaint with his office. He did not inform his security detail. He filed a motion, two of them, a motion to quash the subpoena because he knew exactly what it was. And another to seal the certificates of service. He wanted to hide it, which included the affidavit from the process server. His lawyers argued that the server loitered at the attorney general's home for over an hour, repeatedly shouted at him and accosted Paxton and his wife. Which by the way, all of that is legal activity under Texas law. You should know something about that attorney general, you supported that law. Ironic, isn't it? There's more, US attorney, US district judge, excuse me, let's put up his picture. US district judge Robert Pittman granted both requests early Tuesday Hours after the affidavit had already been published. Yes, good for you. We already got the affidavit, so day late, dollar short. Attorneys for the plaintiffs asked Pittman to reconsider his quashing the subpoena, but the judge has not ruled on that new request. Now shifting gears, all right? Donald Trump, Trump apparently has a fascination with the sexuality of staffers, according to a new book. So let's get into it. New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman, forthcoming book, Confidence Man. The making of Donald Trump and the breaking of America reveals that Trump's obsession with appearing to be masculine drives his startling behavior, such as a meeting early in his administration with Vice President Mike Pence and campaign aide Jason Miller, whom he declared certainly likes the ladies according to excerpts published by the Daily Beast. It also details that Donald Trump made homophobic remarks on a regular basis and showed pictures of alleged romantic entanglements. And he bragged about the women he had these entanglements with. All of this is in the book and we know good and damn well it's all true. David, thoughts on all of this? 
Wow, well first, um, regarding the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, I'm thinking of that, that Texas saying about cowboys who are really not cowboys, all hat right. and no cattle. I mean, this was clearly <laughs> not a profile right. and courage. And it makes me think also that there may be actually something to this lawsuit that he's really afraid of. And so I'm sort of curious to see where this lawsuit goes. And by the way, I wonder how Mr. Paxton would deal with people who his office was trying to subpoena if they also constantly ran away like Bonnie and Clyde and went on these crazy chases. As far as Donald Trump and his obsession with with sexuality of his aides and whatnot and their sexual peccadilloes. I remember that Donald Trump had long peppered Hope Hicks, who was one of his assistants about her sex life and whether she was having a relationship with another staffer. It's, I mean, Donald Trump is a inappropriate, shall we say, sort of guy. We've known that about his own behavior towards women and clearly he is inappropriate when it comes to conversations and driving discussions about his staff. There you go, all right, we got more. On the other side is indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back. All right, we have a lot of show left. Always good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda. Let me remind everyone the watch list, add the watch list to your watch list. The big homie, Jared Jackson. Live weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Watch live daily and subscribe at youtube.com forward slash watch list. TYT. Make you see the silver hair dragon. LOL, poor David. Nice to see that you survived that Trump rally where you were attacked for your beauty. Never knew you were such a ladies' man. And listen, make you see, we got something coming special just for Dave and his lady. And I, fans. Can, I can assure everybody, I am not a ladies' man. I believe that was perhaps <laughs> the alcohol that was talking with that particular woman. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Texan says, get your panties ready, ladies. David Schuster is on today. <laughs> They're not gonna let you live this down. <laughs> um, all right, uh, thank you so much, Pitchforks Dragon. Um, after the clip of David's interview dropped, the community will now be referring to David as Cougar Bait Dragon. Mm. Has a good ring to it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't yeah. know what it means, but sounds good. <laughs> Cougar Bait, sir, that, that you know good and damn well what it means. Look, we got the video now, uh, David, come on. <laughs> Can't deny it now, brother. All right, Mysterio of Seven, Mystery of Seven says, and thank you for that. Doc, thanks for all you do, and I appreciate all you do as well. UPS driver, anomaly mean. UPS should easily be able to track the driver simply with the tracking number of the delivery, and the driver it was assigned to for delivery. Twitch, let's go to Gomez 420420, all right. Thank you, Doc, for covering this. Someone said you only cover black issues, but I know you protect us all. That's right, we're all in this together. It's called a coalition, I believe in the coalition. Got something for everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're gonna feel great, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. I had to come and get Susie out again. We gonna have to do something about this front porch thing, sissy. I'm tired of trying to lift you up out of there. Well, I told you bring that car door over here. Okay. And I climbed down on it. That's how that's how sissy gets out. Bring bring the car door and put it right there, and sissy climbs down on it. Yep. I can't lift the door no more. How in the heck am I gonna drag get you out? It, drag it. Drag it. Drag it. Drag it. Drag it. I drag it. 
How about we just put the truck up there, and you can step up on that, then climb up on that, then climb up on that. Truck then... don't got no wheels. It don't got no wheels. How can we get it over here? Pick it up. I can drag my car over here, and we can back it up there. Any ideas how we can get this truck over here so Sissy can have some steps? Let us know. Ladies and gentlemen, no citizens were harmed in the making of this video. It's actually a very lighthearted, caring moment here. I know, caring of a different context. But say what you will, these Karens were lighthearted. They embraced their authentic selves and harmed no citizens in their moment of Karenicity. I found it to be fascinating. My dear brother David, what are your thoughts here? Wow, I feel sorry for her sissy. I mean, maybe she's just sort of playing <laughs> along and that's a good thing. But I just kept thinking, okay, instead of driving up a truck, why not just, I don't know, put up some stairs, put up a ladder? Um, but that would then give away the gag. The gag is, no, we don't have internet down here, so let's just put up a see poor sissies. What could um <laughs> I'm with you. I'm just I'm just glad that they 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 kept their camera going and they were filming and they seemed to have a good time with it. And yeah, they didn't insult anybody except for I suppose some of us who I don't know may have felt like her. Well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was Let's, a good video. It was it was funny to me. Put up the picture full of mass here. Um, now listen, if you all need some steps, okay? I have a Home Depot card. Get in touch with us at Indisputable. All right, get in touch with us at Indisputable. I got steps coming to your front door, I guarantee it. This is an actual offer. All right, thank you for that laugh, I appreciate that ladies. And thank you for not harming any citizens in the making of that video. All right, probably a Karen first here. Okay, very sad story. This is an update, a child who was killed by the police, the police. Judge has now said, yep, case can actually move forward. Let's put up a picture full mass. We covered this on day one. This is an update to a story that we covered last year. A county court judge rejected the request to dismiss manslaughter charges against three cops charged in the killing of that eight year old child. That eight year old child was a bystander. Former Sharon officers, Brian Devonay, Patrick Dolan, and Devon Smith are facing manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, and reckless endangerment charges, and they should. <sighs> However, their lawyers have argued the officer should only be charged with misdemeanor reckless endangerment offenses. Because they were responding to a shootout between two teenagers who were initially charged with the murder of the girl. Fantability is her name. But a judge rejected the request on Monday. If the defense lawyers lose the appeal, the officers will have to fight the charges in trial and appeal, however, would delay that trial. Now, what they did was horrific. What they did was disregard the lives of those around them. And it ended up killing a baby girl. Initially, the teenagers who did not shoot her were charged with her murder. Now follow the logic here. 
So the police, they say, "Oh well, wait a minute. You all put her in danger because you all were shooting, and because of that, it created a cause and effect dynamic that led to the death of this child. So we're going to charge you with murder, even though your bullets did not hit this child, even though." You had nothing to do with the actual death of the child. Bullets did not hit the child from a teenager's gun. The bullets came from the cops because of their reckless disregard for life. By the way, if anyone else would have been involved in this, trying to stop the other teens who are involved and they shot a child, well, they will be arrested for reckless endangerment and voluntary manslaughter. There's more. Fantas, a family, they have said as of Monday, they were satisfied with the court's decision. I am a little happy today, Fantas mother, Tina Croma said, told reporters this. Reports show, I'm gonna go back to the background, reports show that 100 to 200 people, think about the size of this, right? 100 to 200 people were leaving a high school football game last August in the Philadelphia suburb. When officers decided to open fire in a crowd, in a crowd, reckless endangerment already established. An argument between Angelo Ford, who's 16, and Hussein Strand, 18, escalated into gunfire. And the officers shot 25 times at a Chevrolet Impala they believed was involved. Fanta the child and four other people were shot in the crossfire. The girl died because her gunshot was in her chest. The DA announced the charges against the officers in January, concluding without a reasonable doubt that the gunfire that killed the girl was from the police. A grand jury recommended charges, those are citizens in that community. The citizens recommended charges for the officers who were also fired from the department for violating protocol. All three men are out on bail. Once again, protections that exist for cops don't exist for anybody else. Those cops should have been arrested on day one. Initially, who got arrested for the murder of the child, people that didn't do it until forensics verify that the police did it. All of a sudden, the police who are wrong, even their defense attorney argued, yes, my clients are all wrong. Reckless endangerment, misdemeanor count. No, the grand jury said felony. Those are citizens of the community who had evidence presented to them and they were appalled at how reckless these cops decided to act. There's a child who's dead and now the wheels of justice because of the judicial decision will move in the right direction. We're gonna continue to follow this story as it goes to trial. David, did they get, did the judge get this right? Yeah, I'm just glad that the judge upheld the charges that the, the initial cover up was proven to be yeah. a cover up. 
Uh, and I'm, I think the only thing that disappoints, disappoints me a little bit is I think in Philadelphia and in Pennsylvania, you don't have to go to a grand jury if you're a local prosecutor. But a lot of times in police cases, they will. So it seems like it's you know it's the way of the district attorney, which sometimes has to work with the police and they can say, oh, this wasn't me, this was a grand jury. That's not exactly a profile in courage. And I wish that yeah. the district attorney had shown the courage to say, you know what? This is so clear cut, we don't need a grand jury. We know the forensics show that this was a police bullet that killed her. So um, a little disappointed there, but I think in the end, the outcome is the right one. Very well said, and we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me remind everybody about Nina Turner, Senator Nina Turner, unbossed is coming. October 17th is the date. Subscribe to Unbossed with Nina Turner. Get ready to tune in daily, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, starting October 17th. Once again, youtube.com forward slash unbossed TYT. Let's get those subscriptions up, all right? Okay, let me read a few comments. Make it see the silverhead dragon. Oh my God, it's not nice to laugh at people, but I never said I was nice. <laughs> That's funny. Gucci Mane, Doc, got you with Home Depot credit card. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is right. Um, this is about the fantability story. Um, Robin's Egg says, thank you for covering this, Dr. Richie Philly, thanks you. Uh, and we thank you for keeping the conversation going. Make sure we don't forget about this, all right? This is still going through the court system. Uh, and it will be, in my opinion, a couple of years before there's finality here. We're gonna stay on top of it for sure. All right, um, Rue Bird says another beautiful young soul taken. Cops need to take responsibility for their actions. That's not protecting people, cops are acting like gangsters, that's right. We've covered many stories where cops decided to shoot into crowds. One story, they shot virtually everybody but the target, okay? Okay, all right, I did not see this coming, okay? Infamous race faker, Rachel Dolezal, has a OnlyFans page, an OnlyFans page that has gone viral. Let me just do it this way. Um, let's just go to the pictures, okay? Dolezal, who was in the middle of a national scandal after being outed as falsely posing as a black woman, joined the subscription. <laughs> Don't look, don't look too hard, David. Join the subscription <laughs> site, <laughs> OnlyFans last year, sharing frisky photos for fans who paid a fee. All right, let's go to the OnlyFans page. All right, let's do that, okay? Very clear, Rachel Dolezal. Welcome to my OnlyFans page where I post creative content and interact with fans more than on any other platform. Subscribers get to see how my sensual side pairs with my creative spirit through intimate images inspired by color, light and lingerie on the weekends. Now there were some pictures we could not show because she was completely unclothed. All right, I don't know what lingerie she was modeling in those pictures. The 44 year old um, says, you know, this was to pay homage 
to Rihanna's Savage X Fenty line. Per their report, talking about TMZ, Dollazelle appears to be a huge fan of Rihanna's collection of lingerie. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next picture here. This is not the first time Dollazelle has attempted to cash in on her notoriety. She has previously hawked homemade lollipops, Millennium Spectrum dolls, and a $1,000 sculpture of an electric chair. Let me first deal with the whole faking to be a black woman thing. Because there were some people actually saying, "Oh, well, no, no, she, she was a model black person. There, there are people that need to, to want to be black. Is that not a good thing? No, it's not a good thing when you take scholarships away from black women. You take jobs away from black women. Hell no, that's not a good thing. If you actually support the culture, don't take opportunities away from the culture that are designed, that are designated for the same people you propose to support. So hell no, I do not buy that this was somehow a good thing. Now, as far as her OnlyFans page is concerned, listen, even fake black women, white woman that pretends to be black, she has to make a living. All right, so this is how she has decided to make a living. It was noted by a representative that OnlyFans has made some people millionaires. And it is a credible avenue for additional income. All right, well, so be it, I'm fine with that. Okay, David, <laughs> thoughts on this man. I gotta say, I report on a lot of news, brother. This completely I did well, not see coming. You caught me because I was like, I was like this. You really were. I thought you were going to sure like to get a good look at this. A couple of things. I have questions more than thoughts. First of all, I don't understand the the electric chair. Um, no. Any idea what that's all about? No. Okay. Um, the second point I was going to say is, you know, I have seen a lot of exercise balls in my time, and I'm big <laughs> on using exercise balls and going to the gym. <laughs> I have found a new way. To use no. exercise balls. So no, look, I got no problem with people who are on OnlyFans or whatever they want to do. That's fine. Uh, I'm just glad that in this particular case, I have learned something new about a piece of exercise equipment and how it can be used. It's not the way you're supposed to use the exercise ball, bro. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, once again. Fair sad story, out of a jail facility, a woman was forced to give birth on the floor of a jail. Had to basically throw the umbilical cord underneath the door to let the authorities know that she was in fact not faking being in labor. How horrific is that? That's exactly what happened. Let's put up the picture full mass here. I have a hell of a story to tell you according to a federal lawsuit. A woman was left to give birth alone by herself on a dirty concrete floor in a Maryland jail cell. Her name is Jasmine, Jasmine Valentine. The lawsuit alleges jail nurses ignored her screams, ignored her cry, ignored her pleas for help for six full hours, okay? Valentine was over eight months pregnant when she was taken into custody for an alleged probation violation the day before she went into labor. Valentine, who had never given birth before, feared her baby would die and she might bleed out while delivering this child on a dirty 
concrete floor inside of a jail cell by herself. But realizing that no one was going to help her, she was determined to deliver this child on her own. Valentine was released several days later and she said Tuesday to the AP, her baby is doing well. Let me give you some more background. Valentine alleges some nurses working for the jail. These are contract medical providers, Pennsylvania based Prime Care Medical Incorporated. Said she was withdrawing from drugs, not in labor. And some jail staffers and medical staff laughed at her saying she was just trying to get out of her cell late at night. This was in July 2021 at the Washington County Jail in Hagerstown, okay? So what's happening now? There's a pregnant woman, she's obviously pregnant, they can tell. She goes into labor, she's screaming, I need help. I'm in labor, I'm having a child. The nurses laugh at her according to the lawsuit, they scoff. They say, "Oh, she's just drug addict, those are withdrawal symptoms. They do not even check on her. There's more. Valentine claims she punched the walls of her solitary confinement cell, which did not have blankets or sheets. During her most painful contractions and removed what she believed was her baby's amniotic sac and slid it under her jail cell door to provide proof that she was about to have a baby. A fellow inmate hearing Valentine's pleas called Valentine's boyfriend who called the jail pleading with staffers to help her. The lawsuit said, what happened again? An inmate, is that familiar? Remember the story that we are currently covering Castillo Vaughn in an Alabama prison? Who alerted the world as to his condition? A fellow inmate who took a picture and shared it with the free world. Who alerted someone to the condition of this woman? Another inmate who had more heart than all of the medical staff combined, all of them combined. You see, just because a person is incarcerated does not mean they shed their humanity. No more than it should be if a person is wearing a uniform and has a contract working inside of a jail, they should not shed their humanity either. Regardless of your status in life, regardless of your profession, regardless of your current situation, your humanity should not be set aside. There's more. The nurse also ignored a concern raised by a jail deputy about Valentine, but he did not contact any superiors. He discovered Valentine holding the baby girl in her cell about 15 minutes after she was born, just after midnight on July 4th, 2021, and an ambulance was called to take them to the hospital. Because of the unsanitary conditions of the cell, the baby developed a type of staph bacteria infection that is resistant to many antibiotics according to the lawsuit. The lawsuit alleges that Washington County, Maryland is Sheriff's Department and Sheriff, as well as nurses and deputies at the jail violated Valentine's rights under state law and the US Constitution. I completely concur. You see policy 
said they were supposed to help. There's a written policy at the jail as to what they're supposed to do in a situation like this. They all ignored the policy, all staff members, okay? Every single one of them on the same page to ignore the policy. Why? Because their culture is contrary to the written policy. As I always say, culture eats policy alive every day. How do you change that? You change that by transforming the dynamics of the people involved. Sometimes they have to be transferred or arrested and held accountable. That's how you change the culture. If there's an infraction with no enforcement, there's nothing. There has to be a level of enforcement here in order for the culture to transform and people that are human get a human experience. David, thoughts on this? This was just a medieval. I mean, this should never happen anywhere, anywhere in the world in this day and age. And I just hope, I just pray that the people who are so concerned about the right to life, the people who say that every child is precious, every fetus is precious, everybody is precious. I hope they are just as outraged about this situation, what the sheriffs and the nurses and the jailers were doing in Hagerstown, Maryland, as the rest of us are. Because it shouldn't be, it shouldn't matter whether what this woman's background was, whether she was a drug user or not, you're talking about a human being who deserves dignity and dignity not for just for her but also for this baby that was born and I just yeah. you know I, I, I'm just horrified on so many levels. Yeah and we're going to follow this I do expect there to be a massive lawsuit. I'm glad the child is okay according to the latest report. We're going to continue to follow the story as it develops. We have more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments. Lynn says, jail workers needed, only the soulless need apply. Isn't that something? So sad. Angel 86 rods, David on the roast throne today, LOL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gomez for 2420, Doc, I was born in a prison and this happens more than you would think. Isn't that something? Okay, all right, Governor DeSatan. Out of the state of Florida, Governor DeSatan decides to appoint a person. Let's just go to the picture. Which one do you think the governor appointed? Hmm. Yeah, the guy who's wearing the KKK outfit, Ku Klux Clown, is now resigning. But he was appointed by the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis. Gadsden County Commissioner Jeffrey Moore, that's him right there. A Republican appointed by the Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in July, resigned from the five person County Board of Commissioners. Moore in a county where 55% of the residents are black, was the one white person on the board with four black commissioners. He also ended his campaign for the District 2 race, which was to be decided on the November 8th general election. Put the picture back up again. Now, I need DeSantis to expand his circle of friends. You mean to tell me, sir, that you could not find one white person that did not belong to the Klan to appoint as a commissioner? Now, naturally, they're going to say, "Oh, it was a costume party." Um, you didn't pick that up at Party City, yeah. There's more. Moore did not respond to any questions. 
about the resignation, the photo or the KKK outfit. In an email to the Tallahassee Democrat, he said he was, and I quote, in the middle of hurricane preparations. And would be in contact on Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. As of late Tuesday afternoon, there was no response. The governor's office did not respond to the multiple inquiries about Moore's resignation or the photograph. Not a word, not one word from the governor, the governor's office, from the commissioner. You're wearing a damn KKK outfit and you have nothing to say. Florida. Let's go to the other ones. The racist costume controversy comes over three years after another DeSantis appointed official, Florida Secretary of State Michael Ertel resigned when a photo emerged of him in blackface and dressed as, according to him, a Hurricane Katrina victim. Once again, friends with who? Ron DeSantis. Listen, Ron, it's clear to me you all belong to the same clan chapter, okay? At some point it's going to come out, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but at some point. David, thoughts on this insanity, no response, no transparency, not even a freaking apology. Yeah, in both cases, there are two scenarios here, just two, and they are both awful. The first is that Ron DeSantis, the governor, knew about these photographs and decided, ah, no big deal. I'm friends with these guys. I'm going to put them on a commission anyway and hope nobody finds out. Or the second, that maybe he didn't know initially. And that would suggest that, well, his team, which is supposed to be doing due diligence, and the governor has a lot of resources to do due diligence on people right. he wants to appoint, that they either dropped the ball or they found out and didn't pass it along to the governor. Either way, it is reprehensible. It shows that Governor DeSantis has no judgment whatsoever on these matters. And it's just, it's equally bad. And here's the thing, it also shows he doesn't care about how he offends black people. Because remember, he had an opportunity to respond in full. He could have said, listen, I apologize for how this has impacted my black constituents in particular in the state of Florida. Remember, that KKK outfit is a symbol of terrorism. That's terrorism, primarily against black people, but also against some others who supported black people. Those were terrorists. And for the governor to be completely silent once it has been exposed gives you a clear indication as to his priorities. He'd rather not say anything negative about the Klan while at the same time allowing this picture to wholly offend black people in the state of Florida. He's giving you his tail right here. All right, really interesting. Remember the guy who played in the series Hercules? Yeah, that guy, Kevin Serbo. He says, Hollywood will not hire me because I'm conservative, I'm Christian. Here it is. I got a call from, from Netflix saying, hey, we know you have a strong foot in this inspirational world. We want to open an inspirational division here at Netflix. Had three, four meetings with them over a couple months. Gave them some great projects for television or for, I mean, for series or for, or for movies. Um, they still didn't make the move on it. I think there's such a weird ideology in there. They're afraid, they may, I still think they want to, but they're afraid, oh my gosh, we'll get a backlash from within the Hollywood elite if we do a movie that's got a positive message in it. And, uh, you know, so it's unfortunate. I always joke that if I played a, a radical Islamic pedophile, 
terrorist in a movie, I'd get nominated for an Academy Award. And that's really a weird <laughs> world we're in right now. Damn it, Kevin. When you're right, you're right. Hollywood has no room for D-list, mediocre ass white male actors. It's a shame. Let's put up the picture of his most iconic work. Hercules. The legend continues. Now, let's be very clear. Kevin Sorbo says he has not been able to get work in Hollywood in 12 years, primarily because he sucks as an actor. He's a one dimensional character. He plays the same person in every single film he's in, has zero dimension. Hire an acting coach, perhaps, that may work. But no, typical privileged conversation. No, it can't be that Cerebro is somehow not good enough. No, they are the ones who are wrong. Netflix rejects 99.9% of everything that comes to them. Sir, you are just part of that rejection wheel. It is what it is. I had the, um, I don't know, misfortune, I would call it, of debating Sam, who is Kevin's wife. If you remember that in the early days of Indisputable, she wanted to debate me about critical race theory and vaccine mandates. Go back, look at it, it is quite telling. But Here's a bit of it, here it is. The mandate that I'm referring to is when you all called the Biden executive order a vaccine mandate. You don't agree with that, you know that's not a mandate. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confused. The vaccine protocol through the executive action of Biden, which says that if you are an employee at a company with 100 employees or more, right. that you either A, have to get vaccinated or B, not get vaccinated. And you have to take a test once a week. That's not a COVID vaccine mandate, correct? It sounds like a mandate to me. Or you cannot get the vaccine. I beg your pardon? You can also not get the vaccine and just take a test. Yes. So it's not a mandate. Well. All right, I gotta go. It's been fun. I appreciate you coming (laughs) on the show. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, she hasn't had any work either. So I guess, you know. Okay, David, thoughts on this, man. Wow, well, a couple of things. Um, It strikes me, conservatives like to say they're all about personal responsibility, taking accountability for their actions, except when their own actions don't get them what they want, and then it's somebody else's fault. And then they're the victim, so they're giving up the gig here. And and secondly, I guess Kevin Sorbo, yeah, I mean, he's a horrible actor. Um, You're absolutely right that he doesn't deserve to be in any films that anybody with any sense would pay for. But I guess he should consider himself lucky that he has a wife who is dearly devoted to him. (laughs) That's clearly on the same intellectual level. Yeah, there you go, (laughs) well said. Okay, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Okay, Twitchuation Room is next. Make sure you join our dear sister Francesca. Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. This is a Twitch exclusive, twitch.com, excuse me, twitch.tv forward slash TYT, the Twitchuation Room. Aspiration, big banks are using your money to do what? 
Invest in fossil fuels, political lobbying that you disagree with, private prisons, gun manufacturing, that's the name of few. So it's time to go against the grain, use your money for good by signing up for an eco-friendly credit card. You can feel confident that your consumer deposits are never invested in fossil fuel projects or other harmful industries. Aspiration also offsets your monthly miles so that you can go carbon neutral with your credit card. How do you do this? Go to aspiration.com forward slash TYT, sign up now. Aspiration.com forward slash TYT. Also unbossed, Nina Turner, unbossed Nina Turner. I'm excited, days away, okay? We're almost there, we're still on the runway here. It's about to take off October 17th. Subscribe right now to Unboss with Nina Turner. Get ready to tune in daily at 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific time, starting on October 17th. YouTube.com forward slash Unbossed TYT, Unbossed TYT. There's something else, we don't have a graphic for it. Uh, the voting actually ends, I think, um, on the 30th, the 30th of this month. Uh, but I've been nominated for Atlanta Magazine uh, Best Radio Personality and Best Television Anchor, okay? So you can vote, you can vote once a day, one time. Go to vote.atlantamagazine.com, that's vote.atlantamagazine.com. If you go to vote.atlantamagazine.com, you will then scroll down, click media and sports, media and sports. Once you click media and sports, scroll down to radio personality or TV anchor, okay? You can do both if you choose and then just type in my name or the name of the program. We appreciate you in advance, okay? All right, and let's read some of these amazing comments. Biden the flavor corn pop says about the KKK costume. Uh oh, makes total sense. So straight up birth of a nation, Jim Crow with DeSantis. What could Trump possibly find fault with here? Yep. Um, okay, about Sorbo. Biden flavor corn pop says, oh, go call up Tim Allen and cry. <laughs> That's good, actually. <laughs> Hawking break says, to have all the resources and be so wrong. There you go. All right. Finally, it has happened. An individual who has harassed people, recorded it, has finally been arrested and charged with a hate crime. Let's go to the original video when we covered this at first. Here it is. Can I hang out with you? That guy just stole my car, so hmm. where'd he go? Newport Coast? Huh? Can I hook up with you? What kind of vagina do you have? Is it an Innie or an Audi? Does it have uh, beef curtains? I'm gonna call the cops if you don't. Mm. Yeah. You're annoying, dude. Why are you following me? Because I want to. My fat ass is ready to get hard for no, you. Cops are coming right Why would you call the cops on me, bro? I'm just speaking. It doesn't matter. You, you little bitch. You little void. Oh! You little. Whoa, what's wrong with you? Chill out. Chill, chill out. Hey. Chill out. Chill out. Chill out. You just kicked me in the. You back up. You back. You back up. Me, you're gonna.
Correction, he updates, excuse me, correction, he violates women, everybody. Recorded it, plenty of evidence against him. He has now been arrested, put up his picture. He's been charged with hate crimes. We told you this was going to happen. Johnny Devin Young, okay? He originally was a male Karen in one of our segments. We covered this last April. 25 year old California man who posted videos online showing him assaulting women. He has been arrested on hate crime charges related to the self-described involuntary celibacy that investigators believe motivated the attacks. Johnny Devin Young has been wanted since May after police Costa Mesa identified him as the man who pepper sprayed several women after confronting them with vulgar and explicit language outside of bars in Orange County, okay? Young was initially arrested in San Mateo County between San Francisco and Santa Cruz earlier this month on a misdemeanor charge of theft of identifying information. He pleaded guilty shortly after and was sentenced on September 15th to 25 days in jail and a one year probation. He was then transported to Orange County where he appeared in court Monday on four felony charges of assault with great bodily injury and four felony charges of illegal use of tear gas. Each charge carries a hate crime enhancement that will bring more time in prison if convicted. And the four assault charges include enhancements for the personal use of a weapon. He also was charged with five misdemeanor counts of violation of civil rights. The two attacks identified by Costa Mesa police involved four women and a man who tried to stop one of the assaults. The Orange County DA said on Tuesday, Young has a previous hate crime conviction already. Out of where? Clark County, Nevada for harassment motivated by hatred for the victim, which is a gross misdemeanor. He pleaded guilty in August 2019. According to court documents obtained by Law and Crime, a judge set Young's bail at $500,000 on Monday with his next court appearance scheduled for October 10th. We will cover that. Now we'll say this, it is a first. For the first time we've had a Karen, a former Karen who has now been upgraded to a right now criminal, okay? When we originally covered this individual, it was during a Karenicity segment. Now he has been arrested, charged with multiple hate crimes as we said he should have been in that last encounter. David, why do you think somebody would have the unction to literally record their own crimes and think they would completely get away with it? I mean, clearly he's got some sort of narcissistic personality disorder. I'm no psychiatrist, but clearly this guy's got some clear mental issues. And he's got some issues obviously with women and he's yeah. got a certain amount of rage that he spews out. I'm just um, a couple of things about this. I mean, Costa Mesa, California, Norwich County is right next to Newport Beach. This is a really, really nice part of California. So I suppose maybe not, I'm not so surprised that they have the law enforcement resources there to try to go after somebody like this. I'm concerned about when somebody is this deranged and carries it out in communities that may not have the kind of resources that you have in Orange County, California. I'd like to think that police and law enforcement would still take those crimes just as seriously yeah. as it appears they've taken them in Costa Mesa.
Well, I gotta say this, there is one person who has no issues with the ladies and that's David Schuster. So we got something, we put a little something together here at Indisputable. We're gonna talk about it, here it is. Did he declassify it? He said he declassified all of it. By thinking about it. I don't know about that. He said that to Sean Hannity, that just by thinking I about it, he declassified it. every night, but- uh, You missed one. I watched it last night. Does he have to sign something or tell people he's declassifying something? Is this like left-wing news? No, I'm just trying to push back because there are a lot of people who are confused. Because at the end of the day, it was nothing but a trap and they fell for it. Ha! Who's, who's they? The FBI, dear. I believe that the FBI or someone else, you know, they packed those, uh, those documents in there to frame Donald Trump. How would the FBI get the nuclear secrets? I have no idea. Obama stored them in a warehouse where everybody could get to them. For his library? Yeah, for his library. And the National Archives said that the National Archives actually ran that warehouse, not Barack Obama. I don't know anything about that. It was going for a colonial militia. It started out as a pirate outfit. It's the blood of an innocent child that are scared to death and then is extracted from their head, from their brains and their bodies, and it's used as a drug. And who's doing that? <laughs> Joe Biden, Hunter, Clinton's. If you would put in Epstein in certain key words, you will find the truth right there in front of you. Can you point to me a single judge that has ruled that the election was stolen or that there was malfeasance that would have overturned the results of any state? Look at the Supreme Court. Well, the Supreme Court hasn't accepted any of these cases either. How do you know that? You'll find out 174. 174, <laughs> what does that mean? Gematria, God's language. It's good. It's good, but hey. Gematria, that's that code thing, right? Yeah. It is. Hey, hey, you know what, well, Jackson? You know the song? You but why are we talking in code? Why are we talking in code? Why not just one, tell me? Two, three. Without a religion or without any kind of religion uh, or basis of religion, in the U.S., the country will fall apart. If Congress passes a law or makes a declaration, we are a Christian nation, doesn't that go against the First Amendment? Yeah, kind of. Are you married? <laughs> I am, thank you, but I am flattered. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys, uh, enjoy the rally today. What have, you been, what, have, what have you been drinking? Have you been drinking anything today? No. I haven't drank in three years. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Until today. Sir, all right, I love it. We there's more actually. Yeah. So, uh, David, my man, I don't know how you do it, brother. <laughs> Just give it to us in your own words. What was that experience like, and what was the most shocking out of all comments you received? The most shocking. Well, clearly the, the woman who was asking me who, what my name was, and that she thought I was cute. Um, I haven't had that happen. Um, I don't think ever that I've been in the field. But like, oh. it goes to show that there's some people who show up at these MAGA rallies, not because they're into politics, because they're, but because they're, they're sort of like feeling like the, like this is a Motley Crue concert, and they're at the best concert ever, and they're just kind of like going to have a grand time and do whatever drugs or alcohol they're doing and, and flirt with whoever's there. There's another group that was there that um, that surprised me a little bit, and that is. Uh, the, the number of people who will speak openly now about QAnon at these rallies uh, is off the charts. And it used to be when we were doing these a year ago, some people just didn't want to talk about it or they're embarrassed. And I don't know whether it's a function that there are more people who believe in QAnon now or just a function of some people have peeled off these Trump rallies. They're getting smaller and the people that are left are the ones who are the diehards who are a higher representation of believing in these wacky conspiracy theories. And it's a conspiracy theory that requires them to suspend reality. And they're generally pretty polite and, and nice when you talk to them until you challenge them and then they start to get defensive. Let me ask you this, 
What's the common thread here? What have you found to be a basic common denominator with this variable of Trump support? I think it's people who are generally not very well educated, who are confused by the world as it is, confused by 9-11, confused by the war in Iraq, confused by the pandemic, confused by an election where they thought, of course their guy should win. And so they're trying to make sense of all of this. And they don't have enough intellectual heft or education to be able to say, okay, some things happen a certain way because of cause and effect. They seem to think that there's a clear reason that will validate their own fears. And so that's why you have people drifting towards the conspiracy theories that Donald Trump was robbed, that the courts are all part of the deep state, that there's nobody who's actually looking out for Donald Trump except for the people who are trying to expose this pedophile cabal. And it makes sense to them and that as a result, some of them, they're very easy to talk to. They're very happy to talk about this because they're comfortable in their beliefs. Even though the rest of us would say, but that flies in the face of reality. It doesn't match up with basic facts and it's crazy. You know, I don't believe anybody is above reproach. I think we all are human. I'm not, I'm not immune to humanity. Everybody is human. What I've seen in scenarios like this is the inability to be critical of Donald Trump on any level. Yes. Even if you support left leaning political figures, there's literally always some level of critique or criticism offered by people here at TYT and even those that subscribe to left-leaning political views. It seems to be absent as it relates to Trump supporters. They are unable, incapable of being critical of Donald Trump, even when the criticism is warranted based on facts that are evident. What do you say to that? I think you're absolutely right. And look, we interviewed, I think, 30 people on camera. There were another perhaps 60 or 70 we asked if they would do an on camera interview. They said no. But of the 30 people we interviewed on camera, I'd say one, maybe two, was willing to say, look, I like Donald Trump's policies. I have issues with how he handled things in office. I have issues with his lies or his personality. The rest, you're talking 27 or 28, they will not give an inch. They wow. believe that Donald Trump is a truth teller. We've got a video dropping today in which they claim, a lot of them, Donald Trump is the greatest president in US history. Better than Washington, better than Lincoln, better than Roosevelt. And the reasons for it are absurd, but that's their belief. And they're not willing to give an inch, particularly to somebody who's got a camera, who's with an organization that they may not be familiar with. Fascinating, continue to do the great work that you do. Continue to bring us these amazing stories and insight. For those who would like to follow your work, check out your work, how can they do so? They can go to Rebel HQ on uh, on YouTube or Facebook, or they can follow me on Twitter at David Schuster. Our videos are up there. And, and Dr. Richie, I guarantee the next time somebody comes up to me and asks me, hey, cutie, what's your name? I'm gonna say, Dr. Rashad Ritchie, I'm don't, don't do that. Email, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> don't, now, damn it! Now we're gonna fall a lot, Davey. Do something like that. <laughs> All right. Always an honor, brother. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Dr. Ritchie. Pleasure. Take care. Absolutely, pleasure is mine. Situation room is next. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. <laughs>